It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, as we begin another day on the flagship of the Silver and Black, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM and streaming live. On that glorious Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's having a great day. As I just tweeted out moments ago at JT the Brick on Twitter, Las Vegas is the home of home ice in the Stanley Cup final. I cannot say this enough. I know I've been a little bit edgy. I've been a little bit kind of tense with this. I will not apologize. I apologize five times a day before breakfast. I will not apologize to this great radio market in Las Vegas for trying to be the leader and waking everyone up for the Stanley Cup. We have to do it. People are watching. People are listening. We have to be great. We have to elevate everything the next couple of weeks and drink from the cup. We all on the same page there? I think even if you're not a hockey fan, you get what I'm saying. I mean, they're ripping up the roads and paving F1. You're probably not a big F1 fan. You got cones all over town. They're ripping up the street. I'm all right with that. All right, we're getting F1. Okay, I'll avoid. I'll come in the Harmon new flyover. I'll come over Russell. My wife says, get on Waze, man. Find out where you're going. I'm all right. They're tearing up the city because they're building the sphere, and we got F1. It's big. It's an inconvenience. Remember, we have people in this market that thought Allegiant Stadium would be an inconvenience. We don't need the Raiders. We don't need no taxes. We don't need the construction. This is the market we're dealing with, man. They said, well, well, we used to be the number 40th market or 39th market. We're the entertainment capital of the world. Who cares? You think the number three market in all the radio has the pool parties we have in Vegas? You think the number six market in all the radio have the concerts we have with Bruno Mars, residencies with Aerosmith and all that? We are better. We're Las Vegas. We're fun. We're exciting. We're entertaining. People want to come here to visit you if you live here. Even the people who are bitter about Vegas getting sports are like, I still got to have my bachelor party. I still got to have my 40th birthday party. They don't want to do that in Ames, Iowa. They don't want to do that in Tulsa. They want to come to Vegas. And we just happen to have professional sports. And we have a bunch of really good teams and good owners. And we get along with all of them. Pretty much. We get along with all of them. That's why we have these guests and the insiders. Because we get along and play nice in Vegas. Because we want Vegas to do well. So as I open up the show, do me a favor and surprise me today. I come in here and Bobby looks at me and he goes, I wonder what I'm going to get from JT today. Loud JT, angry JT, glasses half full, glasses this empty. And as Bobby, my longtime friend, knows... I'm glasses half empty on the radio, and my life is full off the radio. If you know my wife and my kids, I have a different life. On radio, I I tend to be a little bit tense. I'm not the game show guy. I'm not the guy who talks fast food. I like to do two hours of fast-paced sports. And then you hand me the Stanley Cup. You hand me the Stanley Cup in the city that I champion, and all I got to do is win four, and we're going to have a cup final, and we're going to have a parade? I can see it. I have a vision. I can see it, and I can talk about it on the radio. So again, 
I think this town is a hockey town on radio is at about a two. Maybe 10 years will be at a 10, but I got to be a part of helping this out. Ryan, the hockey guy, does it on the other channel, right? You got Duva and Gary Lawless, who are great. And that's it. Where's everybody else? Let's get everybody going. Lindsay in the morning, great with hockey, unbelievable, right? She's with our team now here. Get people aware of the party and the excitement of winning. Because as I told Bobby, I don't think it comes around often. I don't think we come back to the Stanley Cup and go back to back to back. We went in year one, miracle. We're going in year six. There are some teams that went in year 11 and didn't go back to year 32. You know what I'm saying? That's really important that we paint that picture. We don't know if this will ever happen again. We hope it does, but we don't know because there are teams in New York, Detroit, Colorado, Edmonton, Montreal, Florida. I mean, they, they want to win just as much as us, and we're there now. We're at the door. Sound off like you got a pair. Be a hockey fan for me for two bleeping weeks. Be a hockey fan for two weeks, and then do what you want to do. I want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. What is the key to the series? What is the key? What has to happen? For me, it's, it's home ice. That, to me, is the key to the series. We get home games. We get four of them guaranteed if we need it. And we're damn good on the road. While Bill Carlson has proven that, as he has awoken in the postseason, his doubters have now silent. The doubters of Wild Bill, you don't hear from them anymore. Right to left they come. And uh, stealing the neutral zone. Mike Amadio works in. Right circle. Tap back. Score! Carlson! The steal and the strike. Amadio to Carlson. He's got two today. 5 nothing Golden Knights. Two minutes into the third period. I mean, while Bill and Marceau are now here, they're playing well and they're scoring. Got to get Eichel to score, but Eichel's playing really well. He's skating well. He's, he's got the assist. He just hasn't scored, so I'm expecting Eichel to have that Connor McDavid-type moment. Not that Connor McDavid played for the Cup, but he can have that moment here to be that elite player as McDavid is watching at home. And then we have the goaltending. What are we on, like our sixth goalie since Flurry left? Fifth, Robin Leonard with his reptile farm, whatever the hell that was. Whoever we put in there seems to be play, playing well. Aiden Hill is making a name for himself. So I like the way he's playing in the defense. Theodore's my favorite player. He has been, right? Petrangelo is scoring and getting things going. I like that. Alec Martinez won a overtime cup. He scored the game-winning goal. He's got experience. And then Colasar in the fourth line and the third line really has been the difference here. So that's all I got. Now I'd like some help. Yeah, I don't need anything. I don't need calls. I don't need anything. I'm looking for help from hockey fans here because I believe we're embarrassing ourselves without elevating the hockey talk. Do we get that? Kind of get, do we get that? If we don't get that, okay. But that's the way I feel. We need the hockey fans who are left in this town to, to listen to the show, listen to the other shows, and jump on into the pool like I did the other night. Jumped in the pool on the third goal with my clothes on. Wife just shook her head. I said, I'm in. I'm all in on this. We're going to win this game. And they won 6 nothing. So jump on board, 702-365-9200. The show started seven minutes ago. My phones are ready to go to hear from you. So yesterday, let me take you behind the curtain, behind the scenes of sports radio. My son came into the studio in the last 15 minutes of the show yesterday, and he said, Dad, I want to put a TikTok out of you. He goes, just talk Jimmy G. So we went out there, and I put out a Twitter rant on Jimmy G. And I knew what was going to happen. 
I knew it was going to happen. Some trolls who I've never met. I'm at the torch. I'm in the black hole tailgate. I'm right there. Some trolls coming in, call me a homer because, I don't know, I guess I didn't say Jimmy G's career's over. There are some Raider fans that want me to say, Raider fans that want me to come on the flagship, not as a doctor and a trainer and say, Jimmy G's done. They want me to do that. These are the same people that want me to get fired, the same people that think I'm inside too closely. So I knew we'd get a little bit of responses. And my son, who's much more mature than me, said, Dad, don't look at the responses. It's a really good video. Look at the numbers. You got 25,000 views. I go, I don't care about views. I, I host a radio show. I care about advertisers and ratings and all that. He goes, no, this is pretty good. And what was the crux of my video? Crux of my video was Jimmy G, because I was in the building yesterday, talked to a few people, and they all said everything's okay. So I went on the radio show and the talk and on Twitter, and I said, everything's okay with Jimmy G. And Raider fan on Raider fan crime. It's the most despicable crime there is in the Raider Nation. It's Raider fan on Raider fan crime. Oh, he's not. He's always hurt. Oh, he's not. He'll never play. Oh, he's not. You're a homer. You work for Mark Davis. Yeah, I do work for Mark Davis. I apologize. Right, so all this, uh, it's never going to work out. It's called Raider Fan on Raider Fan Crime. And there's podcasts for all that. You know, and there's former Raider fans who are upset about other things that make no sense to me. And I said, what do I know about Jimmy G? I don't know anything. I was in the building yesterday, talked to a couple people. And they said, yeah, we, knew why, we know why we signed him. We knew what he had. I mean, we got members of the media here in this market that couldn't figure out 10 minutes after he was delayed for his press conference, and they sent everybody home. There were really people walking in the parking lot, shaking their heads, going, what happened? Excuse me? You didn't figure out that they found something in the physical, and they were kind of redoing the contract to protect the franchise? You didn't figure that out? Like, did you need what? Did you need Will Kiss to step up in front of a microphone and say, hey, we're coming back tomorrow because of blank? Pretty obvious. If you listen to my show, what happened? They delayed it because they wanted to put the language in to protect the franchise from the contract. Now, Raider fans do have a good point on Jimmy Garoppolo. Why even bother with him? Why? You know he's got a foot issue. You know he's been hurt in the past. Why even go there? That's a good topic. And we've we've explored that topic. Josh McDaniels needs someone to run his offense better than Derek Carr. Josh McDaniels needs a quarterback with this offense now. Now, he'd like to develop a quarterback. He'd like a 21-year-old that he could just put in the mad science lab to do that quickly. But after winning 10 games, he needs some more stability in winning games. So he got Jimmy G because he's worked with Jimmy G. He's worked with Tom Brady. He worked with Tim Tebow. right? He's worked with a lot of other quarterbacks over the years. And he thinks that this one, Jimmy G, can run his offense and carry more of the burden and more of the responsibility to get into the right reads, okay? That's the other secret I'm letting you in on, which shouldn't be a secret, but it is for some. They needed a quarterback other than Derek Carr who could read the defense better and incorporate more of what the expansive playbook can do in critical situations. I just let you into the kingdom of the Raiders' secret. That's all they did. And you know who would have been better at it than Jimmy G? Tom Brady. Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us coming up. Everybody, everybody thinks, can Tom Brady play? I'll ask Vinny. We'll see. But that's all it is. That's not a knock on Derek Carr. Rich Gannon was better than Donald Hollis. Okay? Rich Gannon was better than Jeff George. Much higher pick. Why was Rich Gannon good? Because Gruden was able to give him the offense and then put heavy burden on him. Verbally. 
we're going to do all of this, and you're going to do more. Because Gruden was, at that time, a really, and still is, a really good offensive play developer and caller. And I think that's what Coach McDaniels is doing with Jimmy G. Instead of starting from scratch or continuing to go with Derek Carr, the organization is more comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo. They knew he was injured. You might have all knew that, right? He didn't play last year at the end of the year. It's not news to anybody. They brought him in for their own physical. They see something a little bit different than the Niners, and they decided they wanted to take care of it. That's it. There's, no, there's nothing more to the story. The only thing that could be added to the story is if there's some type of complication in his rehab coming back to be 100%. God forbid he gets hurt or something like that, which we don't foresee. So we don't foresee that. I can't predict injuries. I could just hope that he's healthy. So they got the guy they want. I don't think he's going to be the long-term quarterback here. I don't think he's going to be here four or five years. I could be wrong. But as a quarterback who's more than a bridge quarterback, you got a very good quarterback who's going to have a heavy burden on him to go win games with a really strong offense with a defense that's been in development, that they're trying to tear down the defense because the organization, everybody included, Drafted so horribly on defense, other than Mad Max. They drafted so poorly on defense, they had to tear down. Because when Ziegler comes in and looks at his whiteboard of who he has, no, 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 no. No, 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 no way. No, maybe, no way. Let's redo this defense. And that's what they're doing. Bringing in guys they think can play in the short term and holding on, holding on to draft picks to get drafted young players who can fit this scheme. So that's exactly what's happening. So I gave a little bit of that yesterday. I just gave a little bit of that in the monologue. And I have confidence in the people that are drafting the scouting department, Dave. I have a lot of confidence in Josh McDaniels from knowing him personally and how he's respected in the building and what he's trying to do. But I can't convince all of you that, nor will I try. The ones who want to come in and support the coach will. The ones who don't will typically run to social media to do that and have an anonymous egg as their profile picture. And then there's a lot of good Raider fans that love the franchise, love the history, love the team, and don't support the coach yet because the coach hasn't won. And I agree with that. I get that. So we can all do this show that way. It's to pull for the team, pull for the team to get it right with Jimmy G. Who in the Raider Nation wouldn't think that that's rational? What Raider fan do you know that wears a Raider jersey and has a name like Raider Nick, Ra- Raider Bob, Raider Tony, and wouldn't be rooting for Jimmy Garoppolo to be great. You, you would think so. They're Raider fans. But it's Raider on Raider crime. Because some Raider fans just want to be pissed off. They want to be angry. And take it out Take it out on me on the radio if you need to. I'm here. I take your calls. But I think yesterday the only message I sent from being in the building with Q and talking to some people is we're good. Jimmy G's got the procedure. He's coming through it. He's here lifting weights. He's in the meetings with the coach and Devontae. Devontae loves him. We're good. Now, if he's not good in three weeks or a month, don't blame me. I mean, you blame me as a messenger. You're pretty good at that at times. But I'm just telling you what I know yesterday. And that could change in two weeks, a month. We'll see. But I hope Jimmy G is 100% healthy for training camp and 100% healthy for the regular season Because I'm a believer in his stability and his upside in this offense. With this red zone improvement and the attack of this rushing game with 
the number one rusher in the league, who's probably not thrilled he doesn't have a long-term contract. Probably not. But he's going to be paid handsomely, handsomely, a lot of money on a one-year deal in the minimum, and I hope they work out a long-term deal. I never talk about, ever, ever, ever talked about a player's salary once in my career. I just wish they make the most they can. And then you got a pretty good offensive line, which last year at this time, oh, my God, I was sitting here. They were just shooting arrows at me. Rightfully so with this offensive line. Who'd we have? Well, Colt Miller. Didn't have much. And the guys played pretty well at the end of the year. Enough where pro football focus and the critics said, you know, the Raiders led the league with Josh Jacobs, the number one rusher. They're not as bad as we thought they were, and I think they're only getting better. You would agree with that. More experience. I mean, I'd like to see a legendary right tackle come in here and take over. I doubt that's going to happen. And then the linebacker position, I think that the style of this team going forward with Patrick Graham and Dave Ziegler are going to be getting some guys who are hybrid-type players that can handle the pass as much as the run. And then they'll have run stoppers and guys who can handle the pass. And then I think the improvement in the secondary is going to be unique and hopefully fast. Because if there isn't an improvement in the secondary with Epps, and what we've done in the draft here, Raider Nation, our season ticket holders. If there is an improvement here, we're in trouble. There better be some improvement in that secondary with who they believe is going to be here and make the cut and who they drafted and who they brought in in free agency. That better work. Because I can't handle another year of that soft pillowcase in the middle of the field, that 15-yard cushion. It's like the Bermuda Triangle, and no one can defend it. That's got to be cleaned up, and I think Patrick Graham is working on that around the clock. 702-365-9200. Nothing, huh, Bobby? Not a hockey fan yet? Football fans, but not a hockey fan yet. Okay. All right, so other than that, we're going to jump into the NBA. Uh, We're going to have Jeff Sherman going to join us here in about 20 minutes. Denver is a real heavy favorite. I mean, enough so that you should sprinkle some money probably on the Heat, considering what the Heat were able to do. The The Heat beat Boston and they beat Giannis. And Milwaukee, they beat the one and two seed. They beat the one and two seed. Now they're going up against the one out west. I just think the one seed out west is a little bit better. I really do. They're playing great. And just like I think the Golden Knights are better than the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, who's nuts enough to pick against the Knights as the one seed? They're playing an eighth seed. They're not playing Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, and Mark Messier. I mean, Kachuk's a good player, they got a good goalie. But we're not going up against one of the greatest teams of all time in the Florida Panthers. So I think you got to you don't have to go out on a limb to pick the Golden Knights to win. I think you just want to go out there and hope they don't screw it up. Because we did screw it up against the Washington Capitals in the Cup six years ago. We took game one at home and then lost four in a row and couldn't find a way to stop Ovechkin and a lot of their goal scorers and got bullied around. We got pushed around in that Stanley Cup final, and they're going to try to do that again. So that's the monologue brought to you by PTs, the best happy hour in town. Proud partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. I was just at the SG bar at the top of Flamingo in the 215. Tremendous menu, great service. I took my family when they were here. They loved it. Great salads. The food's fantastic. There's so many televisions there. And from 5 to 7, midnight to 2, you get half-price drinks. Great place to be. PTs fuels the monologue as we open up the show. Can't open up the show in Vegas. I have no one on hold, so I'll go to Winnipeg. I'll go to Winnipeg where Sean's in Winnipeg. Thanks for calling the show, Sean. What's happening? JT, six years, second cup appearance. There's approximately 25% of teams in the NHL in Canada. It's been 30 years since a Canadian team won a cup. Mm -hmm. Vegas fans absolutely 
have to jump on this opportunity because things will get brutal over time. So no need to apologize. Keep up the great work. Keep, uh, again, Vegas strong. So uh, all the best in getting people excited about it. But uh, good luck to you and your folks there. Yeah, thanks for the good luck here. I, I think we're going to need some luck because you're playing in the Stanley Cup final. You don't know about the refs. If someone's going to get in the penalty box, if something crazy is going to happen, you don't know what's going to happen. There is a little bit of luck. But what I like about VGK is they've earned everything here. They've earned everything. They earned home ice in the Western Conference. They got it. They earned home ice in the Stanley Cup Finals. They got it. They beat Dallas 6-0 in a closeout game. Oh, my God. When was the last time that happened? I'd love to see ESPN stats and info. When was the last time a team won a conference final closeout game with a shutout 6 nothing? Ever. I, you know, a shutout and you score six goals? Incredible there. So there's a lot of fun going on here, and we need to take advantage of it here in Las Vegas. And just enjoy the party. I think that if you look at what they do at Toshiba Plaza, the watch parties, I saw they were showing on the broadcast, Derek Stevens, shout out to the people at Circa. Uh, they did a nice job with the viewing party at Stadium Swim. They do it at Dollar Loan Center. I think we need to get a list of where those viewing parties are going to be. I just recommend everybody going to PTs because they got 64 locations, and they're our partner and partners with the Golden Knights, so it's great there. When we come back, Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny will join us on all the Jimmy Garoppolo talk, plus some of the national NFL headlines that I want to get to with Vinny. Uh, Kevin Higgins in an hour from now, one of the great baseball players to play in Las Vegas. A coach at UNLV, my neighbor, and the newest member of the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame. Can't wait for that conversation coming up at 1.30. Now back to the JT The Brick Show. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. I'm trying to bring an energy, uh, trying to get everyone on the same page, get everyone rolling in the same direction. And like I said before, I'm trying to earn it. I don't want, just because I'm the quarterback, I, I'm not the leader because of that. I want to be the leader because guys respect me and believe in me. And I think that starts with hard work. And So I'll try to do that as much as I can and take it from there. Give me three steps by Leonard Skinner. Why are you doing this? Because Jimmy's got to take the steps, Bobby, to get that leg ready. All right, you just got Spotify. How cool is this? Steph McKenzie, the legendary rock jock from 97 won the point, is now the program director. <laughs> OMG! <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. That's why I'm here. You're going to see me all the time, so I better be here. Wow. You're wearing a Tiffany blazer. Yes. You uh, you always look great, but now Thank you're you. kind of the corporate suits. You're exactly a suit. You're wearing oh a suit. Oh, my God. Everyone has said that to me today. Wow. Tell me how about this. How, how excited are you? I'm so excited. There's been a lot of things. I think it's exciting because 21 years ago... This month, because mm -hmm. we wrap up May today, which is a great day. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I was asked, and Bobby knows this. He was part of this as well. I was doing nights on 97.1 The Point, 7 to midnight. I really partied like balls to the walls. And they were like, <laughs> hey, we need you to fill in in the mornings. Uh, huh? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. So I'm like, so I'm like doing my shift till midnight and then you need me at five. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, ah, uh, like, you know, that's going to cut into like what I'd been doing. Yeah, you're partying. Okay. 
okay, okay. And I'm like, so what is this? And, you know, of course it's exciting because it's what you want in radio. Everyone wants to mm. be in mornings, but I never thought that would ever happen. And so I was just thinking, oh, for a minute. Bobby was the whole part of this the whole yeah, time. Bobby he was, was my engineer. We were doing remotes every day. So I feel in like, hey, how long, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? They're like, yeah, this is a probation period. We want you to do mornings. And I'm like, okay. And here I am 21 years later, Fox and McKenzie. And two weeks ago, they asked me to take on this role, well, too, as you well. you have an amazing show. And now Thank you're going to be the program director. So remember, it's always about me. On okay. the show. So does that mean we get more concert tickets? Like yes. I don't have to go through the proper channels and now when I want to go to a concert, I can kind of cut behind the you. scenes and ask you? You are like the 14-year-old boy that yes. needs to go to concerts all the concerts. times and I love it. I love going. So you're excited about this, so you'll still be on five days a week in the morning. Yep, I'm still doing Neon and Beyond. Still got the Real LV Ladies podcast that we've been doing. Sure. And um, we picked up with them. Just quick plug to Tiffany out there, the Raiderettes mm -hmm. director, because we went and toured the studio right after their the new girls got picked up. So I'm excited for our new Raiderettes. Good. Um, and that was fun and a lot going on. Okay, so give us some Jimmy G guidance because there's a lot of angry young men listening I... to this show. And they're not bought in on their quarterback yet because he hasn't played and he's hurt. So be the voice of reason on when Jimmy G, if he comes back on time, can fit the system better and win some games. Okay, well, and here's something that you and I have talked about a lot as far as this is concerned. You're probably the fifth plus person this week that has asked this question to me, which is so interesting, right? And they're like, and I always take a deep breath and kind of tilt my head. And they're like, mm. so you're not in on it? You don't like him? Like, what's the deal? Like, you're like such a diehard mm. Raider fan. And I'm like, okay, here's my analogy. For all Raider fans, love or hate me, I don't care. I will always love the Raiders. It's almost the same situation, but everyone took a deep breath, and we weren't such angry little beavers back then when Derek Carr got hurt. Yeah, mm. we don't know because he didn't play for a while, right? But right. you get behind who you get behind because you love the organization. The McGloin train. I, I had the McGloin train. Yes. I didn't think McGloin was going to win a Super Bowl, but you got to get behind him at that point. He's the quarterback. And and we weren't so angry back then. It seems like we're so angry. Everyone needs to take a deep breath. Do you love one player or do you love the organization? Let everyone come together. Yes, I get it. He didn't play last year. So how can you make any decisions? Yes, he's on an injury right now. How can you make a decision? Well, I think fans are upset, and we got Vinny on hold, so I'm going to get to Vinny here in a minute. But I think fans are upset because you put jo a lot of no, money Josh McDaniels was a Patriot. Jimmy G was a 49er. I guess for some fans, we're not allowed to ever talk to the Patriots or ever have a former Niner. But we had Jim Plunkett, who was a Niner and a Patriot. I, listen, and a pretty good player. We I, had Mike Haynes, who was the best Patriot Jerry cornerback. We, we had Jerry Rice. And don't forget, Bo Jackson jumped over to the KC train for a little bit, When you too, look at you know, Mar Marcus with that, but I look at it all in general. I think Jimmy G deserves more support here in town Absolutely. until we find out if he can't play. If it turns out he's damaged goods, we'll move on at that point. But as we sit here at the end of May into June, I think the whole city should be behind Jimmy G. Take a deep yeah. breath. I mean, listen, if anyone's angry about patriot love or patriot people or patriot anything, don't get me started. That will always well, you forever. Hate, you hate Denver more than the Patriots. I do, but the tuck rule will always be so hurtful for me, okay? But again, take a deep breath. Do you love the Raiders or do you not love love the Raiders. We and you're not a coach, so just take a deep breath. Congratulations, PD. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm really proud of you. Thank um, we're you. really proud. Steph McKenzie. It's my birthday. Uh, uh, oh, wow. 
today too because I hit you up yeah. on Facebook. It's your birthday. You're the program director, and, <laughs> and you're I love wearing the a Tiffany suit. Now you need a Tiffany ring to go with that Tiffany suit. Thank you. She's the best, <laughs> Steph McKenzie. As we bring in Vinny Bonsignor, kind enough to join us. So you hear him here guys. every morning, no doubt about it. And Vinny is great, and he joins us every week. Vinny, be the voice of reason on this. Where do the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo stand today? Yeah, um, you know, nothing's really changed. The contract was the contract at the time of the signing. Uh, so from Jimmy's perspective and the Raiders' perspective, nothing uh, has changed. There's been no surprises. Everything is where it's supposed to be. I think what's happened is we've gotten details of that contract. And so, you know, it's been, what, a month, a couple of months almost now since he signed it. So now that the details are being revealed. Everyone was going, oh, wow, um, you know, hold on a second. So they could walk away uh, without paying him if he doesn't pay the physical. Well, that was what they signed. That was what they agreed to uh, back in March, and everything has been moving in the right direction, um, and everybody expects the physical to get passed and that Jimmy G is going to play uh, this year. So at least from that perspective, nothing's really changed. It's that it's just the fact that we now know what the what the uh, what those details are, and it's a little bit of a surprise to everyone, including myself. Um, this is, you know, I, I've been told that it's not necessarily unusual in terms of players that are coming off injury. Uh, you know, the, the, there's waivers that get signed uh, in these types of situations. What, what's a little bit unusual is the amount of money that you're talking about and the status of the player that we're talking about. Um, but as one, um, you know, uh, a league source who runs his own team said, look, if Jimmy G was worried about this at all, there's no way that he would have ever signed that contract. He's taken all the risk here, probably because he believes, based on what he's hearing from his doctors and from the Raiders' doctors, is that um, through the necessary time and, and you know, uh, and, and not doing anything right now, including no OTAs, you're going to be in line to be ready to go by training camp and by this season. So there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of angst from those two sides. I think it's more media and fans. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So, Vinny, if it wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo, if it was another player that just was 31 years old, was coming off an injury, his former team said, we wanted it to heal naturally and take its time. And then the new team said, no, we looked at it and we want to get the cleanup. We want to fix it so it's going to be right. And we want it right under our doctors and trainers. It probably wouldn't be a big deal, but it seems like it's a big deal nationally because everybody looks at the injuries of the past of Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who's won four playoff games, wins about 70% of his games, and is a winner in this league. So is it the name Jimmy Garoppolo that's got everybody going crazy? And does this happen around the league often? Uh, it does happen in the, uh, around the league. I'm not so sure it happens with high-profile free agents that sign these types of contracts with the type of money that we're talking about. Uh, but it does happen in the league. This is a violent sport. It's a physical sport. There's players that come to teams um, where there's you know long range uh, implications. Uh, there's there's past injury concerns, and and teams protect themselves. You know in in that in that basis. So there are there are um, there is precedent for this type of thing. Again, I think for the for the player involved and the and the and the money that's involved, that might be a little bit uh, unusual. But I think to your point, why this is. You know why, why people are really talking about it quite a bit is the player and the history, and we'd be naive to just sweep that part of it under the rug. There is an injury history with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's been the issue for him uh, is staying healthy and completing seasons, which he hasn't done, uh, you know, very often. So the fact that he's coming off an injury, and let's go back to even last year at this time, why wasn't Jimmy G able to get traded? Which is really what the 49ers wanted to do 
Well, he was coming off a shoulder injury, so there was no um, you know, guarantees of where he was health-wise and, and all that sort of stuff. So teams were a little bit hesitant at that point to trade for him. So now, you know, uh, barely a couple of months into his, into his Raiders career, we find out about this protection that the Raiders have um, for a player that's been oft injured over his career. And I think people are saying, okay, well, Jimmy G has this history. Um, is this going to be kind of a, a prelude to how his Raider career is, is going to go if it even gets off the ground, which I do believe it will. And everyone that I'm talking to do believe uh, that it will. But it is Jimmy Garoppolo. He has a history of injury. So until he passes that physical and is actually out there on the field and playing games, I think there is a little bit of concern. There has to be. Uh, Vinny Bonson, yours our guest. For the fantasy fans out there, not only Raider fans, if Jimmy Garoppolo, you have surgeries to come back 100%, not 90%. That's the goal. You get fixed. Whatever the issue is, you come back, you're cleared, you're 100%. If he is that, with the leading rusher in the NFL and Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adam, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, and what they have with Michael Mayer, the stud tight end that they just drafted, does this have the ability, if Jimmy G follows the offense that he already learned from Josh McDaniels, to be one of the best offenses in all of football? I'm not talking defense and overall team, but a lot of people selling this team short on what they could be if Garoppolo comes back 100%. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do believe that. We're still talking about, even with, even with the flaws of last year, even with some um, you know, uh, inefficient type play, especially in the red zone, um, some other areas with turnovers, uh, you know, Derek Hard, there were games where he was completing, you know, under 60% of his passes. Even with all that turnovers, penalties, an offensive line that took about a month and a half uh, to get, you know, f- fully squared away, maybe a little bit less than that. But it took a while into the season before they settled on their on their five players. Darren Waller barely played. Hunter Renfro was in and out of the lineup and uh, didn't play a whole lot. Um, coming off a, a, you know, a career year and signing a big contract, even in spite of all that, we're still talking about an offense that scored the 12th most, most points in the NFL, and we're dabbling in that top 10 for you know six weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season, before some injuries started piling up. So this offense, if you figure, I mean, if you're, if you're counting on Jimmy G being healthy, which is a big F, we all understand that, but if he is healthy and you know Jacoby Myers stays on the field and Michael Myers stays on the field and, and on and on and on with, with you know, uh, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and a year two of this offensive line, which kind of comes back intact, there might be a little bit of tinkering, um, a higher level of play maybe in, on the inefficient, or excuse me, the efficiency end of things with Jimmy G. Yeah, you can definitely see that this offense goes from 12 to, to 9 to 8, maybe a top five offense. There's too much talent for it not to be uh, in, in that realm. It all is predicated, though, on Jimmy G staying healthy. Wrapping it up with Benny Bonson, your great access to the NFL, obviously the Las Vegas Raiders. The conspiracy theories or the speculation of Tom Brady, who now they have to vote on it, the NFL owners do, but it looks like coming to terms with Mark Davis to be a minority owner. If there was a choice that Garoppolo couldn't go and they weren't comfortable and Brady wanted to play again, I know you dove into this. It's a little bit complicated, but is there a possibility that he could put ownership aside in the short term and play football if the Raiders needed him? I mean, I, I, there is a possibility. One thing that would have to uh, happen is that they would have to halt the sale of you know the, the, uh, him buying into a piece of the Raiders uh, because that's going to require approval. And I would imagine, as, as one NFL executive told me, um, he wouldn't be surprised if other owners – 
you know, hinged their approval for him on the fact that, hey, are you retired? Are, is, this, is this something where you're going to try to come back? Because even if, and even if there aren't, isn't that provision there, by league rule, whether, the, whether you're Stan Kroenke or Jerry Jones or John Mara or, or whoever, if you want to come down and play, you got to have approval from your colleagues. You have to get, just as any other vote in the, in the league, you know, uh, an affirmative vote by 24 of the 32 owners to allow you to go down there and play. Would that happen? I mean, would, would Jerry Jones or whoever, the, the Broncos, the Chiefs, are they going to allow him, if it came to that, to be an owner and a player? Highly dubious that that would happen. Um, and if that didn't happen and he did want to come out and play, so then now he's, and, he, and he has already been approved and the sale has gone through for, for his purchase of the team, part of the team, now he's got to divest of that. Now he's got to sell it back to Mark Davis or find another partner, or, you know, another buyer, or put it in somebody else's name, which I would imagine even that <laughs> requires some sort of approval from the league. So in theory, it sounds great. Um, and I guess if you were to, to halt you know, the, the process of, of, of being approved as a, as a part owner of the Raiders, which right now is in the vetting process, and then it goes to all the various committees, and I think they're hoping to vote on it by October, but he would have to stop that right now. And I don't know, but I just saw a picture of Tom Brady on a yacht somewhere, I believe, in <laughs> Europe <laughs> with, uh, with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and a whole bunch of uh, other beautiful people, and it didn't seem like he was all in a rush to come back and play football, like you would think if this was even remotely a possibility, and I'm not saying that it isn't because I'm not in his head at all, but if it was any sort of a possibility, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that maybe he would say, hey, Mark, you know, we've got to think this out a little bit. Let's hold off on, on actually going through with this purchase. And everything that I've seen, nothing's, nothing could be further from, uh, from that happening. In fact, they submitted, what was it, a week, a week and a half ago at the, at the, at the most, they submitted the bid uh, to, to, to the NFL for approval. So it doesn't sound like he's somebody that's itching to come back or even thinking about coming back. Last one for Vinny Bonsignor. Give him a follow. He's fantastic. Las Vegas Review Journal. Lastly, on this new kickoff rule where you can call a fair catch, I'm all for protecting players, especially quarterbacks, Tua, who was multiply concussed. The league can't see that again, but I don't like the fact that every team in the NFL and the owners approved it now with a fair catch on the kickoff. I mean, give me a break. They're already kicking out of the back of the end zone. There's barely a return. Then you get a couple of good kickers in this league who are really good and can kick the ball inside the five and expect a return and a good special teams unit can pin that team down at the 15 or 12-yard line. From talking to owners and having the impact that you have, what is that all about? We're taking more contact out. I think players are going to lose jobs, Vinny. There's good return artists and special teams players who will not be as valuable going forward if we take the foot out of football. How do you see it? I agree, and, and you're taking a, a, a big part of strategy out there because if you go back a few years ago when you know they, they, they reshuffled how they did kickoffs, and they basically made it much easier for the kicker just to kick it out of bounds and forget about a big return. It'll just go right to the 25. Well, somewhere along the line, I remember it vividly because I remember talking to some special teams coaches because I started noticing some teams saying, the heck with that. We're just going to try to kick it to about the one or inside the five and think and believe that our um, coverage team is better than their return team. And we're going to go over there and knock it down before it gets to the 25. Maybe it's at the 18 or the, or the 13. And statistics show that when you start your drive further back from the 25, your likelihood of scoring, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, goes down. So, you know, mm -hmm. obviously you're taking a little bit of a chance 
when you when you when you try to pin somebody down because they could still return that if your coverage team isn't good. But if you feel like your coverage team is good, then that's a sound strategy, and you're taking that completely out of the special teams coach's hands. Uh, and really, players that excel in that. I remember Matt Collins last year with the Raiders. Uh, he's now in a, in, a, in Atlanta, but he was a special teams demon. And I remember having a conversation with him, and he's, he literally told me, he goes, "Look, I can watch film of other teams' special team." teams and understand guys who are half-assing it up there. And in my mind, when I saw something like that, that's a guy that I can beat. I'm going to be able to beat that guy and go, whether it's block a punt um, or run through him and go make a tackle on punt return or kickoff return, because I know I want it more than him. And trust me when I say that shows up on film all the time. I remember Corey Littleton blocking a couple of punts in a game. And afterwards he told me, this is when he was with the Rams, we saw it on film that we were going to be able to get to the punter. Like there was a weakness on the offensive mm-hmm. line, and we looked at it and studied it and practiced it and came up with some, some packages to exploit that very thing. And they ended up scoring a – it might have been the game-winning touchdown in the whole scheme of things on a blocked punt that rolled into the end zone. The Rams fell on it for a touchdown in a key game. So now you're, you're, you're like taking away those types of things, that type of strategy, and those are – Honestly, like that game that I just talked about was one on that. Like you're taking away that possibility. I know it's just the kickoff, but pretty soon mm-hmm. it's going to be the punt, and pretty soon it's going to be this or that, and I'm all for uh, safety. But if, you, if we are going to go down that road, then just take the kickoff out of it because yeah. you're, it's just not, it's not mm-hmm. fair to, to half of a, a, you know, the, 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 the kickoff um, team, coverage team. It's not fair to them and kickers that can execute that, which, oh, by the way, is not that easy to do. That takes a lot of skill yeah. to kick it where you're kicking off from to get it just right at the one. Uh, there's a lot of skill that's involved, and it's just taking that right out of the game. Always an amazing conversation. Vinny, thank you. Appreciate you talking in a couple of weeks. Thanks again. All right, JT, thank you very much. Thank you, Vinny. Vinny Bonsignor, his annual segment, weekly segment. Uh, we're going to have him here in two weeks again, and if there's more news, we'll let you know. He wrote the article, talked about the Tom Brady uniqueness. That's why I asked him that. And Jimmy Garoppolo, thanks again to Vinny. We're going to go out to the Westgate, coming up here in a bit, Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management, on how to bet the NBA Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Big interview. If you're a gambler, you don't want to miss this next. Well, as I told our team, man, like, forget the eight-seed stuff. I mean, they, they beat Milwaukee 4-1. to one. team had the most wins in the NBA this year. Uh, they beat Boston 4-3, to three, and they're up 3-0. team with, I think, the second most wins in the NBA this year. So uh, you get to the NBA Finals, it's not about seeding anymore. And for those that are thinking that this is going to be an easy series, um, I don't even know what to say to you people. I mean, like, this is going to be the biggest challenge of our lives. It's the NBA Finals. You know, this is, you're trying to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. It's going to be the hardest thing that we've ever done, which is the way it should be. Man, I like that coach, Mike Malone, joining us. Brought to you by 
the DeCastaverde Law Group. If you get into an accident, Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, they're the two to call. 702-222-9999. A successful law group built on their dad's legacy, the DeCastaverde Law Group. Proud partner of our show as we go out to the Superbook at the Westgate. Jeff Sherman joins us, VP of Risk Management. Jeff, uh, good to talk to you. Before we get to the series price on the Heat and Nuggets, give me a couple of stories of what happened in that Boston series, how the price moved when they were down 0-3, and then they got it to 3-3 heading into Game 7. Yeah, we had uh, the Celtics were as high as 16-1 to uh, when they are down 0-3, and we actually saw some sharp money on them. So there was definitely support for them, and it got all the way to Game 7. And then throughout, we kept getting heat support, too. We even had heat support going into Game 6 at plus 425. We took 10000 on that. So it was uh, prevalent throughout the series with the large swing. What'd you learn about the NBA now going forward with these eight seeds in the play-in tournament? Because I think going forward in the future, guys like you who set odds got your work cut out even more because the Warriors were a six, the Lakers were a seven, the Heat were an eight who beat a one and a two. I mean, it seems like people don't care about the regular season anymore and they're trying to peak for the postseason. How do you see it? Yeah, it's some of that, but it's also you just can't price some of these teams too high because we're at a level that we've seen uh, with parity being at its highest right now in many years. And you can look at that in next year's odds, too. Even some of the teams that were in the 20-win range, I opened up 80 to 100 to 1 next year. So uh, I think you're going to see some rapid rises in some teams. And, you know, with the salary cap the way it is now, it's tough for teams to, uh, to go the three-superstar route like we've seen recently. And it looks like almost what the Lakers did is have two superstars with a good supporting cast is more optimal than putting all your money into three superstars and no supporting cast. Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Manager at the Superbook right here in Vegas. So how much liability did you clean up with the Lakers and the Warriors going out and the Celtics going out? I know there's some sharp money on Denver, and we talked about the Heat, but a lot of the big boys are out, and I know a lot of fans like to bet those teams. Yeah, the Lakers was big for us. That was a very large liability, excessive almost. Uh, Boston, we are in actually really good position on. So uh, we were hoping that they could have made it because Denver versus Boston would have been ideal for us. We do have some Miami liability on the title. We were okay for the conference, but we took some large wagers on them before the year at 14-1. to 1. Uh, And then throughout the year, you could have found them anywhere from 60 to 100 just because, like you mentioned, their position with the eighth seed and where they're sitting in the east. They were at long odds most of the year, and so it doesn't take much for those to add up. Jeff Sherman is our guest over at the Superbook, the VP of Risk Management. So it looks like you moved the number from Denver in the series minus 400. I see it now at 425, if I'm correct. Tell me about setting this number here and where the money's coming in. Yeah, we did open minus 360 initially. Took a little bit on the Nuggets at 360, and now we are at minus 425 Denver, plus 325 Miami. Uh, and that went up a little bit more, coinciding with the rise in the in the game line, game one line, uh, because the series price is really derived on all the game lines spread out. Uh, so when Denver went up from an eight-point favorite to a nine-point favorite, which we saw some sharp money laying eight and a half on Denver, we went ahead and raised the series price along with it. You think that number could move to nine and a half here going in, considering what's happening here? A lot of people don't think Miami's got the energy to get off the plane. And even though I thought Boston was going to win game seven as they climb back in the series, I loved Miami getting that many points in game seven. I also like Miami not winning this game at Denver, but covering the number. Yeah, it's a healthy number, definitely. But uh, as you mentioned, I could see it maybe rising a little bit more Mm -hmm. just for the fact that it's a quick turnaround for Miami and then going to altitude. 
So maybe in the second half, you know, if they play a competitive first half, the second half might be something to look at just because they might lose their legs initially with the altitude factor. Uh, Jeff Sherman is our guest over at the Superbook at the Westgate. Let's get to the Stanley Cup. Very fortunate that we have it in Vegas. Our Golden Knights have home ice advantage, which is interesting. So before we go to the series, let's go to game one here and the number that you have here, minus 135, plus 115 here. The puck line, five and a half. Uh, Tell me about this series and what's intriguing as you put the number out. Well, these teams are considered very close to equal. So if it was at Florida, it would probably be a very similar price here. And Vegas has the nod in the series price just because of having that extra game at home. But it should be a really tough game. I mean, Florida, they, they almost did what the Heat did going through that Eastern Conference there, beating Boston, beating Toronto, beating Carolina. Very tall, tough task there. So uh, very well respected, and it's going to be a really tight series. Take our listeners behind the scenes. The series price, you have the Golden Knights here. As I'm looking at minus 130, you said having the game seven at home and the factor of having home ice has just set that number. Yeah, I mean, we just we weighed it between. Uh, I had the Knights about a dollar twenty-five favorite. We had some people as high as thirty-five. Just settled on the Knights a dollar thirty. And again, like the NBA, it's kind of predicated on the game pricing themselves with the Knights $1.35 in the first game and then the price throughout the games at Florida, and, and it really settles about $1.30. Some places are starting to get a little bit less than that with some Florida support. Uh, Jeff Sherman, as we wrap it up. Jeff, anything in baseball intriguing? The Yankees are starting to play better, but they dug a hole against Tampa. Dodgers better than the Padres. We got that right before the season started. And waiting for the Mets to get moving. As we look at these future odds with Verlander and Scherzer, what's happening on the baseball side? Uh, really, the Texas Rangers have been the story. Yeah. Uh, they're sitting at twenty to one for the World Series right now. Opened up eighty to one this year, but their sustainability to this point is what's been the surprise. And they've been one of the larger movers in the uh, outright World Series market. The other teams that you mentioned have been stable, stable teams, fluctuating a little bit, but not too much movement at the top. But the Rangers have been the surprise so far. Last one. Tell us about the U.S. Open coming up, coming off the PGA, and what happened with Kepka there. What's trending heading into golf? That's your specialty at golf odds for the U.S. Open. Yeah, we're just a couple weeks away from the U.S. Open, and it's being played at L.A. Country Club, which is a home course to Max Homa, and he's seen an extraordinary amount of support so far, and he's down to 20-1 to 1 right now. Uh, Six-figure liability for us already, and we're not even mm. the week of the tournament, so... Max Homa will be the most popular selection in the U.S. Open this year. Wow. Look at Max Homa, a little home cooking there in L.A. Jeff, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All the best. Thank you. All right. Thanks, JT. If you're going to a book, you go to the Superbook. If you want the sharpest lines in all of the world, let alone Vegas, you go to the Superbook. The Westgate Ask for Jay Cornegay, our good friend Jeff Sherman there, have an amazing experience. When we were there for the college championship, college basketball, the NCAA tournament, I set up my son and my nephew at his bachelor party there, and they're still thanking me for the booth, the TV, the views. It's just incredible. If you haven't experienced that in Vegas, you have to come to the Superbook and see what everybody's talking about. Thanks to Jeff Sherman, who joins us every couple of weeks. That hour flew by. Thanks to Vinny Bonsignor, Steph McKenzie in studio, and Jeff Sherman. Uh, Next hour, I'm pretty wide open Olden Polonese is going to join us, the NBA insider, the 15-year big man. Jump on board now. I'll get you on the other side, 702-365-9200, as we're brought to you by Virgin Hotels right here in Vegas. Some of the best restaurants in town, including one steakhouse.